0: chapter ten of the adventures of tommy post office the true story of a cat by gabriel e jackson this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by Michael tommy's and barbara's farewell performance uncle bobbert barbara was no longer forbidden the odd name she would coined for mr weston will you take me to the post office this morning and let me take care of tommy until you come home for dinner Barbara asked this question as she was seated at breakfast with her aunt and uncle one morning, for since her aunt's marriage she had spent more time in their cozy little home than with her mother. Mr. Weston reached over to give Barbara's ear a playful tweak as he answered. "'Take care of Tommy. Why, he is all well now and does not need anyone to take care of him. What would you do at the post office all morning? You'd grow tired before an hour had passed.' "'No, I shouldn't,' asserted Barbara very positively. i love to go down there.' "'I often wanted to spend a day with you before you were my right-out Uncle Bobbert, "'but Aunt Mary wouldn't let me ask you if I might. "'I think it's much nicer this way because I can just say what I want to.' Barbara, you're a child of vast discrimination and common sense. "'I quite agree with you, my dear. "'You shall go to the post-office.' "'And Mr. Weston nodded his head in a very convincing manner to Barbara, "'while an odd look came into his eyes as he turned them upon his pretty wife.' Oh, goody, I have so many mucilage friends at the office that I always enjoy myself there, and Tommy is really very fascinating. Come along, then, and see your fascinating mucilage friends, said her uncle, laughing as he rose from the table. Barbara spent the morning trotting about the building with Tommy in close attendance. Mr. Weston was too closely occupied with his office duties to keep her beside him, and feeling sure that her friend's adhesive properties would keep them near at hand, and that no harm could befall her, he let her wander where she would. No corner of the big building was left unexplored. For those which Barbara did not know, Tommy knew very well indeed, and together they poked their inquisitive little noses into all sorts of unfrequented places. It was nearly time for Mr. Weston's return for his midday dinner, when one of the carriers stepped into his office to say, "'Will you come with me a moment, Mr. Weston? "'There's a sight in yonder fit to make a cat laugh.' what's up high tea or high dinner or something like it answered the man laughing and leading the way to a little room which opened off the large sorting-room which was only used as a sort of stowaway place the door leading to it stood ajar and peeping through the opening were two or three of the clerks they stepped aside to make room for mr weston and as he looked within he certainly beheld a comical enough sight an empty packing-box was upturned in the middle of the floor "'with a smaller box at either side of it. "'Spread over the largest box, by way of a tablecloth, "'was an old window-shade, and on one side of it stood Tommy's bowl of milk "'and his plate containing his dinner. "'Upon the other side of this improvised table were a glass of water, "'some ginger snaps upon a paper plate, undoubtedly of home manufacture, "'some sweet chocolates in tinfoil wrappers, and a little box of gumdrops. "'Evidently Barbara's friends had been donating.' On one of the small boxes sat Tommy, a sight to bring smiles to the gravest. He wore Barbara's little pocket-handkerchief rigged up as a cap, the point drooping dowdily over one eye, and a piece of old scrim, which she had resurrected from nobody knew where, enveloped him like an infant's slip. One of his front paws rested upon the table, while with the other he conveyed bits of liver from his plate to his mouth. The claws had grown once more, and he could again eat like folks. Now and again he leaned over to lap from his bowl, but never for a moment forgot the part he was playing. As Barbara ate, she kept up a steady conversation with him, to which he occasionally replied with a subdued warble. "'Now don't that beat all you ever did see,' whispered one of the spectators. "'That's the greatest cat going, I tell you.' "'Boys!' "'said Mr. Weston as he withdrew from sight and hearing of the performers. "'I've got the biggest idea you ever heard of. "'That feast in yonder has put it into my head, and it's great. "'If the little wife will agree, we'll make a sensation in this town "'before another month has passed. "'You see if we don't.' "'They questioned him eagerly, but not a word would he say save "'just wait and see.' "'When he and Barbara returned to their home, "'that noon Tommy Post Office went with them. Two weeks later an announcement appeared in the newspapers. An entertainment was to be given for the benefit of the letter-carriers of Hartford. The date named was November 26, and the hour 8 o'clock. A musical recital by the Quartet Choir of... Church, and all attractions, tickets 50 cents, the object being to establish a fund for the letter-carriers in case of serious illness. When Thanksgiving Eve arrived, the hall was crowded for the boys were out in force, and not a few of them found it pleasant to bring some of the other sex with them. The place was bright and pretty with flags, the American, as a delicate compliment to Uncle Sam, being given a conspicuous place. Everyone was in the gayest good humor. The entertainment was opened by the quartet choir, and the selection was well worth hearing. Then came a solo by the tenor, and this was followed by a solo sung by Mrs. Robert Weston, she sang Dudley Buck's My Redeemer, as she had never sung it before, for into her life had come the great power which sways us all, filling and rounding our lives, softening and enriching every action and tone. Two encores followed, Elsa's dream and Gottschalk's trip to poppyland. The roof rang with applause as the last notes of that exquisite voice died away, and then and there fate stepped in to shape the future of this talented, lovable woman. Among those in the audience was the musical director of, blank, church, a man of great talent, and a power in the musical world. The soprano of his own church had just resigned, and her place must be filled. Here, in his estimation, was the very voice to fill it, soft, tender, sympathetic, and with a range as surprising as it was without effort. Before another week had passed, Mary Western had been offered, and had accepted, the position which led to the place she holds today in the musical world. Just how proud her husband was of his talented wife's triumph we have no place to tell in this history of Tommy Post Office, but must hasten back to Tommy himself. There was considerable delay after Mrs. Weston's number, and more or less commotion behind the scenes. Screens had been placed across the platform, and sounds of suppressed mirth were heard behind them. At length, however, the accompanist seated herself at the piano, and began to play softly "Old Lang Syne, while, from behind the wings, in Mary Weston's sympathetic voice, came distinctly, Should old acquaintance be forgot? The screens were withdrawn to disclose, seated at a little dinner table, dolls' dishes, tiny candles with red shades, and service all complete, Barbara and Tommy Post Office. The national gobbler was represented by a roasted chicken, some of which had already been carved, and the slices, cut into dainty squares, were lying upon the little plates in front of the cat and the wee maid. Barbara was dressed like a little Puritan maiden, a veritable Priscilla, and Tommy was a sight for gods and men. The long and most elaborate baby gown fell to the floor from the doll's high chair upon which he was seated. His furry forepaws and shoulders were displayed by its short sleeved decollete waist. A string of gold beads encircled his neck, and from a much beruffled baby cap, his comical, come on, what do you care face gazed upon the audience. One might have feared that the squares of roast fowl upon his plate would prove rather a hearty diet for an infant in long clothes, but at a word from Barbara, Tommy had been put through two solid weeks of training for this one-star performance and knew what was expected of him. This precocious infant reached forth a very odd-looking hand, caught a square of fowl deftly upon the claws, and conveyed it without mishap to his mouth, where it vanished right speedily. It was a wonder that the cat did not become terrified of the outburst of applause which followed this performance, but he was accustomed to seeing many people, and consequently proceeded with his feast in the most unconcerned manner. Moreover, he was hungry, for, like the sturdy, self-sacrificing forefathers, whom he was commemorating, Tommy had been forced, by circumstances entirely beyond his control, to fast before he feasted. At length the last morsel of chicken was eaten, the last drop of milk lapped up, the last word of the interesting conversation maintained by Barbara and her queer guest-spoken then tommy turned his comical face towards the audience just then a voice called out three cheers and a tiger for tommy post office the star of the evening and the very roof rang now it had not been set down in the program that tommy should acknowledge an encore but he evidently had his own ideas regarding his duty on that score for he had recognized the voice which proposed the cheer so quite forgetful of his finery he jumped down from his chair and with an appreciative meow started towards the edge of the platform two or three steps were taken and then his long gown interfered and the next instant away went tommy heels over head his cap flopped over one eye his gown trailed out behind him but it took a good deal ever to face tommy when barbara ran to pick him up and carry him from the platform he nodded at the audience from over her shoulder and the last they saw of the remarkable infant was a black and white face peeping from its befrilled bonnet as he disappeared behind the wings. End of chapter 10